Hi everyone and welcome to the second episode of the Loud Podcast with your hostess, me, Shantae. Firstly, I want to say thank you to everyone who's listened to my first episode, who's subscribed, who's followed me on Instagram, who sent me lovely messages. Literally, all your support makes a massive difference. Like, I was so nervous and like, just, you know, all the things I talked about before. And everyone being so nice and lovely it was just like, oh, it felt, you know, like it wasn't all for nothing. So I really appreciate that. So by the title of this episode, I think you can already tell what we're going to be talking about. Now, I want to preface this by saying I'm not, you know, I haven't got a degree in like politics or like economics and things like that. This is all, you know, mostly opinion based, obviously with facts as well. But mostly we're just going to be talking about it from like the point of view of my opinion and kind of just what's been going on and you know how I feel about it this may turn into just a half an hour rant but you know what we're just gonna roll with that so politics now I've not always been a political person per se I've always been interested in it and you know just from kind of me and my dad well I say me and my dad my dad would talk at me and kind of always spoke about political things, mostly when it came to like race, you know, like the struggle and stuff like that. So I kind of grew up with that um, being a part of me growing up, if that makes sense. So I think what really solidified it for me is when I went to uni and although I studied fashion... I studied fashion communication, so that was super mixed in with, well, for me, you know, fashion is influenced by culture, things as they actually are, so by the grassroots, and, you know, in the last couple of years, with social media and freedom of information and how open things have and how transparent now or easy let me rephrase that the easy access that we have to information now and just this current absolute dumpster fire state of the world that we're currently in it's we've all become super politicized which is an obvious trend it's not even a trend an obvious shift in um society really where i feel like we especially young people were all super engaged and politics is like a massive part of us part of us growing up is now having to fight for our futures so I feel like I feel like I from 2015 is where I super started to become more knowledgeable um reading up on things getting more into following different news organizations I myself, so I class myself as a progressive, which to me means I'm, I mean, in the UK, it's, it feels very, I don't know what the word is, not cut and dry, kind of, of what part you would be against for if you count yourself as a, like, progressive liberal person, but to me, being progressive doesn't mean I stand behind a political uh, 
a party per se. To me, it kind of means I'm for specific policies and things that speak to me in terms of, you know, equality, economic justice, social justice, um, environmental justice, you know, anything that's fair. And I would class myself as a socialist in that way. So even from me saying that, you can probably already tell what party I more lean towards and what party I'm against. But as of late, I just think I've just come to a point where I realise that not neither of the UK, the two forefronting parties really speak to me or make me feel like I'm really a part of them. It's more like individual MPs that I will stand with rather than I feel like I'm encompassed by one political party. Um, That is one of the differences, I think, between kind of UK and American politics is like this, um, I kind of want to say like a cult mentality, where they are like, well, from an outsider's point of view, obviously I'm not American, I can only speak to the things that I read, and like, um, social media, and that kind of, in that kind of sense, but what it seems like is very one side and the other side, and you will like, stand behind your party 100%. I follow more progressive outlets, which are kind of going against that grain. Um, Speaking specifically about American politics, the outlets that I follow is more of the small, not small, they're grow. It's a sl- it's a growing. Um, I don't know what to say. Kind of co. I don't know whether to say like coalition or like a movement. More of the American progressive movement that's growing out of what before is kind of an old political way of thinking, which is where you live and die by your party no matter what they do. And I'm just a part of the kind of I want to say a new wave of political minds or at least politically thinking politically kind of um yeah activists political mind politically minded news aware people that I'm not I don't live and die by any particular party I will go along with and vote for and stand behind people who are in the in my best interests and who serve the community and serve us rather than you know a hot a mindset in general if that makes sense because I guess being progressive is a mindset but basically serving the agenda of what's right and not you know like a capitalist agenda or an individual individualism agenda so that's kind of how I perceive American politics to be it's very much well it's kind of too conflicting two different elements side by side of like this kind of cultist mentality side sided with individualism which I don't know if actually that is just describing the democrat and republican opposing views republicans seem very like individualist but also are a cult which is because they do talk about individualism but actually they don't really practice that but let's talk about trump Because that is more of what really hooked me. 
these last couple of years because if you think about what he was elected in 2016 and I only really got into politics around 2015 so really only had one year well I kind of joined became more aware when he was running I guess with Hillary Clinton I kind of missed the whole obviously I knew who Obama was and like in the general sense but really when you get into the nitty-gritty you learn so much more about what he was about and the things that he's done good and absolutely horrendous things that he's done and been a part of and his failings as a political leader actually when you really get into beyond his very well tailored impeccable image when you get really down into the policies that he put forward and the impact that he actually had there's a lot of devastating information that you also find out but I've kind of missed that because it would have been what like at 17 at the time so you know but let's talk about Trump the man has told over 20 at least over 25,000 lies throughout his whole four years it's probably double that by now but he officially has lost he has lost I don't care what anyone says if you are of any other particular opinion you're wrong he's lost recent news he has he's not conceded he's not conceded by any measure but he is allowing biden to now start the process of a transition of power which is a concession to some degree but not a and it might actually be the only kind of conceding Thing that we get from him is him allowing a transition of power without actually admitting that he lost the man is so severely damaged like talk about daddy issues if you go into kind of what he's about his dad was absolutely and how he was brought up his dad mocked him non-stop constantly they had a terrible relationship his dad saw him nothing other than a failure and I would say that speaks for a lot of men. Like, we very rarely hear daddy issues spoken about in terms of for men. It's usually associated with women on, you know, she's got daddy issues. But actually, we rarely talk about the impact that daddy issues, you know, has on men. Trump is a prime example of that. The need to come off as this masculine person cannot take criticism cries constantly is always been was always the victim it's absolutely insane and I had a a really interesting realization not that long ago with a family member of mine she she's what I would say is a good example of how the news is interpreted by well she's a boomer to put it to start off with that but also someone who really how the news comes across if you asked her she would be a good example of how the news is more than likely interpreted by your base your most 
basic average people. And she wanted Trump to win. She watches BBC News and I was like, well, why would you, where do you get that impression from? And she was like, well, I was like, what news do you watch? And she said, BBC News. And I don't watch them, you know, in on television and kind of stuff like that. So that must be, I think that would just be a really interesting conversation to have as to what, to what extent is the news being reported in a way that average people can understand, people who aren't on the older generation especially, you know, they overwhelmingly vote right wing. How is the news? I just think from my point of view, from what I see from people who aren't, who are part of those older generations, who aren't on social media, blah, blah, blah. We all know this. I feel like this is general knowledge, but maybe it's not. Always go right wing, which says, speaks to something about the news, which is obviously biased. Because I think, I just don't see how, for her specifically, voting right wing serves her no, absolutely no purpose. She is a white woman. And if I explain to her the kind of policies that these people that she thinks she's supposed to vote for, what they vote for, she's against it straight away. And she's like, oh my God, I didn't know that. I didn't realise that. I didn't know that he'd said these things or this person had done those things or the party has taken money away from these things. You know, she relies very heavily on, um, what's the word, public like public schemes, if you know what I mean. So I just think it's super interesting that she, from watching the news, her initial instinct or what she gathers from that is to, oh, if I need, if I want these things, I need to vote for Tory. But I'm like, do you, do you realise we've had a Tory government for for the last 10 years? And I think the overall consensus is that the world is going downhill every year, further and further. The the current state of affairs is only getting worse. So it was interesting to me that her initial instinct is to vote for a party who's been in power that have enacted, enacted, have implemented, you know different things that have only affected her negatively so that was something super interesting that I don't even know how I got into UK politics when I was talking about Trump but here we go apparently podcasts are just a massive tangent so there you go so now we're coming out of a lockdown December 2nd today is the 24th of November We'll see how long it takes me to get this podcast up if I even, to get this episode up, sorry, if I even like it. In the last couple of days, the things that have stood out to me the most, and if you follow the news, the things that have kind of jumped out the most. So the lockdown's coming to the end on the 2nd of December. Completely irresponsible, absolutely ridiculous. That's my personal opinion about it. I just think I'd rather nip this in the bud this year than have this continue on and off on and off for the next couple of months like are we not all over this like I'm not gonna lie I've been pretty decent during lockdown I'm lucky enough to have been 
furloughed and in a position where that wasn't detrimental to me I've been able to pay my rent and my bills I've been able to you know quarantine with family I've been in quite a decent position but that's obviously not the same for everyone and I'm completely sensitive to that but at the end of the day it's the government that has failed us immensely and in immeasurable ways because the countries that completely locked down as soon as this became a problem who locked down efficiently because these lockdowns have not been in any way efficient in the way that I mean, the summer one was obviously a lot better than this one. This one, I don't feel like anyone was taking it seriously. Myself, to some extent, included. Because it doesn't feel as serious. And I don't know if that's just from a level of complacency now that we've all just gotten to a place where we're like, okay, they're doing a half-decent job, so we're all kind of giving it a half-decent effort that's personally how I feel and kind of the vibe that I'm getting um and it's just gonna I feel like we're just gonna continue with this on and off on and off approach whereas really we need something super effective and super strict in my personal opinion the economy all these outside things literally mean nothing in comparison to um protecting people's lives Like, you can rebuild an economy over however many years. You can create new jobs again. You can open everything back up and we can go back to whatever people, what is quote-unquote normal. But if somebody dies, that's it. It's game over. You don't get, there's nothing you can do to get that back. So as far as I'm concerned, if it's 10 people, if it's one person, if it's 100 people, a life lost is, that's it. There's nothing we can do to take that back. And to me, that's more important than literally anything else. So I just think to think any differently is incredibly selfish and greedy. We live in a society where money is put over everything. And this is literally a perfect example of the government doing that putting money the economy above everything but we're coming out of lockdown nonetheless on the 2nd of december so we'll see what happens it's going to be christmas every i work in retail it's going to be absolutely insane they say you know retail place um stores are one of the biggest places to catch covid they said, which might surprise you, he said on the news. It's not a surprise to anyone who's actually working and is on the ground floor because you can see it. People don't care. If you're telling people they can go out and as long as they wear a mask, it's all hunky-dory, then people are just going to do whatever they want. And people still don't even wear their masks correctly or if they wear them at all. So that's all I have to say on the lockdown. I could go on a rant about it for a really long time, but I just think we're also triggered by the word lockdown and pandemic now that is like what more is there to possibly say apart from I personally feel completely you know let down not and like 
to them, our lives don't matter and the lives of vulnerable people don't matter and as long as they get money from us, they really don't care. Well, they care enough to the fact that if they let it get so bad that people are going to vote them out coming the next election, I think that's to the extent that they will help us and try and do something to slow the spread. But other than what actually... They keep, I think they're keeping it below a point where it doesn't affect their money too much. That's basically what I think it comes down to, like I just said. It all comes down to money and and this... And that's, from the beginning, I think it's pretty obvious that that's all this party cares about. And especially now, it's just about corporate greed. And, you know, recently... I feel like it's come out so much about the corporate ties in the Tory party that if you haven't read up on it, you really need to because the amount of coronavirus uh, COVID contracts that they've given out that are directly linked to their MPs, it's, it's elitism. It's elitism and capitalism at its finest, shining right in front of us all and everyone needs to really start paying attention. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll, you would have seen my rant on my stories about increased defence spending. Disgusting. Beyond measure disgusting. The fact that they're in the same week, in the same week, in the same couple of weeks, have cut funding, or at least attempted to cut funding for, you know, free school meals. They attempted to cut funding for free travel under ch- under for kids under the age of 16 or whatever it is. Um, they cut anti-bullying, uh, the anti-bullying program for LGBTQ children. It's insanity and it's blatant disregard for the people of this country, the most vulnerable and marginalised communities in this country. Literal children, that, that's three different children programs that they've cut they don't care and I just think if you're not like I said on my stories the other day I said if you're not a little bit angry every single day at the fact that this government takes from the children of this country every single day taking opportunities away from them taking a literal food out of their mouths then you're just not paying attention and maybe I don't know what bubble you're living in but it must be nice over there because every day it's hard not to feel, you know, disenfranchised and not to just disengage because it does, I will admit that it definitely does feel like we don't have a lot of options or like there's not a lot of things that we can do, but that's just not true. Like we just can't, I assume most people that are listening to this are, are at least under 45 we're super young, we have so much life left to live and we cannot just literally hand over everything to these people that really don't care about us and all they want to do is make money. So the fact that they, in, that Boris Johnson gave, is giving, I think it's 16 billion over four years, I think I saw, to an already massive defence budget, which is what we have one of the biggest defence defense budgets in Europe it's not acceptable it literally feels like sending money away when 
the, when the war is literally on us here within our own country, people are starving, people are hungry, people are disenfranchised, people are living in horrendous conditions. And when it comes to war, when it comes to bailing out companies, big multi-billion pound companies, the money's there. But for our NHS workers who deserve a fucking raise, the money's not there. For children that are going hungry because their parents can't feed them, the money's not there. I'm talking about things that are pretty fucking dire. And I don't mean to put a downer on your day if this is, you know, how you feel. But this is literally the reality. This is the reality of the current state that we're living in and I think we all need to get radicalized you know they talk about you know radical behavior I think what we need is a radical change as far as I'm concerned I'm so for like literal abolition of the current I am literally for abolishing and dismantling the established way the established systems that are in place because they don't work. They're not working for us. I think the things that everyone holds up and holds dear and thinks are important are really not. Everyone keeps talking about, oh, let's go back to normal. What was normal? People were, thousands of people were still homeless. Do you remember in the first lockdown where they housed 90, is it was something like 93% of homeless people? Why couldn't they do that anyway? Why couldn't they house homeless people regardless of if we were in a pandemic or not? Most of these people, all they need is a helping hand. Medical services is what most of these people need. Just an address is what most of these people want to work. They don't want to be on the streets. So I just think it's... I just think if you're not radicalised, if, if you're not wanting some serious shifts in the way the world is, if you don't look around and you're not completely astonished by how we live as a society, then I just don't think you're paying enough attention. Really look into the fine details. Really look into, is is any of this normal? And the fact that what pisses me off the most about what's going on right now is people say oh this is the new normal why do we want these horrific scenarios or situations that we're living in you know people love to say unprecedented times that we're living in why would we ever want this to be considered normal even before the pandemic why would you want any of this to be considered normal the amount of people that live below the poverty line that should not be normal Everyone has a right for a roof over their head. Everyone has the right to be comfortable. You weren't born into this life to try and clamour your way into comfortability. That's not normal. And I've just completely enraged myself. (laughs) So that is, I think, the takeaway today. Is any of this, even before the pandemic, is any of that what we as a society, collectively want to be considered normal. Endless wars 
endless wars. That's not normal. People still enslaved. That's not normal. People who can't just live their basic, just live a basic existence. Not everyone wants, you know, is super, I don't even, I don't really even want to say, um, ab, uh, what's the word? What's the friggin' word? Um, ambition, um, like, not everyone has, like, crazy ambitions and wants to be the CEO of a multi-million pound company. Not everyone actually wants that. Some people just want to live a basic existence where they're not struggling. And I think everyone deserves that from the day that, from the day dot that you that you land on this earth, you should be allowed to have that without struggling. That's what I think should be normal. So why does that feel like I'm like nobody's on the same page with me? Why do I feel alone in that? Well, I don't feel alone, obviously. There's definitely people who know who know this. But just when, hopefully soon, when this pandemic ends, I just hope that these conversations continue and I hope that we don't get complacent in just being happy that we're not in a pandemic anymore. That's generally how I feel. So thanks, guys, for listening. God, if you made it to the end of this, God bless you. <laughs> I'm not a religious person, but, you know, the universe bless you, whoever you believe in. Um, I really appreciate you listening. It did get very dire, I'm aware, but politics is a fucking dire place to be right now. The news, life in general is pretty dire. But I hope you're all staying safe. Um, if you're going back to work like me, good luck. Good luck to us all. Hopefully Christmas is not absolutely insane and crazy like I expect it to be. Um, if you can shop online, do that. Especially at small businesses, they all really need us right now. I'm going to try my best to support small businesses, especially black businesses. Um, but, you know, not all of us are financially. I mean, you know, this is going to be a tough Christmas for a lot of people, I think. Especially anyone who's lost someone due to the virus. So I'm sending all my love to everyone. Again, thank you so much for listening. Let's continue the conversation. DM me. Send me your thoughts. Cheer me up if you can. Because God, I sound absolutely depressed by that. By that old conversation, which I actually am. So please, send me some positivity. At the Loud Podcast Official on Instagram. And at ShantaeXJO underscore on Instagram too. That's my personal account. Go and follow me. Go leave me a comment. Send me a DM. Let me know how you think I'm doing. If I'm doing rubbish, DM me. Don't comment it because I will delete it. Because my self-esteem is just not that high. <laughs> to be able to leave that up there. So, yep. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll catch you on the next episode.